I'm gonna steal the Declaration of Independence. I'd like to take his his face off. Oh, no, not the beard! A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L. I was a little drunk. Plus, I was horny. And welcome back to Cage Old Question, where we ask, is Nicolas Cage the greatest actor alive? I'm Artoon, and this is my wife to be Christina. Hello. And on this show, we watch the entire film catalog of Nicolas Cage in chronological order, working our way through over 40 years of cinema. As a disclaimer, this is a personal podcast not affiliated with any third parties, and the opinions expressed herein are strictly our own. For today's episode, we are reviewing the film Next, released April 27, 2007. This is loosely based on the Philip K. Dick story, The Golden Man, and the screenplay was written by Gary Goldman, not Oldman, Gary Goldman, Jonathan Hensley, and Paul Birnbaum, and is directed by Lee Tamahori. This is Next. Steen, do you want to hear a little plot summary, or? Is it going to be spoiler-free? Um, not fully. Then I will just say, before you get into it, Mm -hmm. that I do not recommend that people seek this out. I think, actually, Grayson would enjoy watching this movie. If you like bad movies, this one is kind of in that genre of it. I think also my dad would like this movie. (laughs) Unironically. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, I just say, you don't need to seek it out. And I would say, uh, I really like... Rotten Tomatoes cite critical consensus. Their little one-liner says, Numerous plot holes and poorly motivated characters prevent Next from being the thought-provoking sci-fi flick it could have been. Yeah. Brutal. So with some light spoilers, um, tell me what this movie's about, please, Artoon. And Nicolas Cage plays Chris Johnson, a.k.a. magician Frank Cadillac, and he possesses the extraordinary ability to see precisely two minutes into the future. He keeps a low profile in Las Vegas as a stage magician making money here and there on the casino floor. However, Johnson's rare talent has caught the attention of the tough counterterrorism FBI agent Callie Ferris, played by Julianne Moore who intends to use Chris's ability to stop a nuclear explosion by Russians or the French? Unclear. Also, he sees into the future to see Liz. It's Jessica Biel. Who is she? Doesn't matter. She's going to be a hostage. Will he save her at Los Angeles in time? Find out in next. Um, I love how you (laughs) said his ability is to see precisely two minutes in the future because it's precisely not that precise and <laughs> like not, precise. not consistent and doesn't no. make sense that's the the setup they give us yes the premisely i feel like you could say premisely yes yes but it is surely not precise yes it's the whole the reason for me you can boil it down to why this movie doesn't work is that nobody had a discussion up top being like how do these powers actually work which i think is important when you're dealing with sci-fi, to understand the rules. Because sometimes my guy's like having a, like a little bit of like a small seizure. And it's like, I just had a vision almost. And other times mm-hmm. he's just like, ah, uh, yes, the natural course of action would be for me to stay on this hand of blackjack and receive receive the money. You know what I mean? For sure. Like, like, <laughs> and, and, and just to say, um, his his power is not consistent insofar as some the way he dodges bullets he can mm-hmm. literally dodge bullets yeah while moving forward walking without breaking his stride mm-hmm. as if he sees all the possibilities laid out before them and he can watch observe them yes versus sometimes as we do a stealth mission he has to pause see the vision react and then like throw out your hand and stop someone yes like there's you have to process the whole vision yes or like this actually helps me close the loophole of why it makes no sense because he has a full 
you could call it two-hour vision because it turns out pretty much the whole movie is a vision and he yeah, seeing twist. of the future. <laughs> and it's like, does that is he lying there for two hours with Jessica Biel sleeping on his chest while he's like, ooh la la, that's what could happen? Or that happens in like two minutes and his brain just processes it processes it like like a pigeon looking out for a, a I, car I, wheel in I, traffic. I like, think that's what it is. I think you're right. In the sense where it's like his he must be so intellectually superior to us that we can't even comprehend how he's seeing two minutes into the future. Yeah. Or I can also close up the loophole of like the stealth mission where he really pauses and does the Raven Simone like <laughs> vision. Um, because the other thing that's crazy is that he's, it's not just his own life that he can see. Quote unquote, Julian Moore, once you enter his consciousness, once he meets you and registers you, he can then predict the next two minutes of your life from great distances yes so let's say in that stealth mission he's running the numbers for himself and everyone else in that room based on all the yeah. decisions they could make and that's why he sort of short circuits and he's ai like, wait look out for the laser yes. yes yes he's ai at this point his his processing power is far beyond anything we could even imagine for a human brain but it's so and you're and I'm sure you're starting to think to yourself how, how could this be that bad? And part of it is that it was like a rewrite of a rewrite of a rewrite I think Probably of like it started it started as this whole like very anti-authoritarian script with vaguely racist undertones that Nicolas Cage's powers came from being a mutant and Jessica Biel's character would have been like the only other mutant and so they mm -hmm. have to love each other because they can only procreate mm -hmm. other mutants with each other mm -hmm. and then the government is hunting them down because they're like no mutants yeah and then which is I think Saturn films which is Nicolas Cage's yeah it's X-Men <laughs> and then it's also got yeah but it like if depending unless you have like the deft touch and the room to explore of X-Men and the entire comics like doing a vaguely racist story I think is gonna go mm. south quickly sure. um and then Nicolas Cage's production company Saturn Films it seems gets in there and they're like let's let's not do that let's make it a little more like take out the mutant stuff I don't know what happens but somewhere along the way we lose a lot of the anti-authoritarian and mm -hmm. it becomes about like like the government is not a wholly ethical in this movie, but Julianne Moore is still trying her best. And you, this is the thing is like, you don't, you don't, I do not empathize with anyone. No. Our, our, our main factions, <laughs> everyone's terrible. Our main factions are a man who puts on shitty magic shows and will not help the FBI to save civilians from uh, a terrorist attack. We have the terrorist group that is just blimblom, regular. Oh my god, they're going to do terrorism. But they say at some uh, point the Russians, and then all of them are speaking French. It's so they're all speaking French. Crazy! It's so crazy. It's so crazy. Don't, <laughs> they, like, and they just like decide to start going after Cage and this other chick. They're like, we have the bomb, but rather than go do our business, maybe we should just go see what it is Julian Moore so interested it's crazy. in. It's crazy. Um, then and then again, the FBI is like is like totally incompetent. I'm also not on like, Jessica Biel's team. What do we do about this? I'm also bomb not, thing? I'll tell you this. And then much. I would say number four, number four, <laughs> we've got a beautiful woman who who doesn't make any sense. I'm like, girl, why are you here? Yes. Why are you here? Yes. And you why know, are you, you know, here? She had. We see in the film she has an some sort of abusive boyfriend before, and the Nicholas Cage somewhat not really helps her get away from him. Um, if you remember, like he approaches her at the diner. Don't you remember this? Yeah. 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 I do. I'm, oh, I'm yes. nodding where I'm, oh, yeah, I'm yeah. with you where it's like, it's so vague and it is not enough of a motivation and it is super problematic of like, it's, what's our, our message here is that if you think a woman is hot, you can stalk her like two times a day because he doesn't know if it's 8.06 a.m. or p.m. Yes. when he meets her in this diner. He's had a vision of her. Two times a day, every day he goes to look for this woman. Yes. He then like games it to try to figure out the best way to approach her based yeah. on his ability, which, which by the way, the makes sense. The best way to approach, 
women love a wounded animal. Get yourself punched by the other guy. Then she's like, oh, this poor man. Because anytime he actually like saved her, quote unquote, or took him out or dodged all his punches like Groundhog Day or Matrix style, she was like, stay away from me, creep. Which and nice. that, that that whole scene ends up being more just like a guy uses his imagination to imagine horrible ways to approach her in which yes. she would reject him. Yes. And then happens to get lucky that she has an even worse guy was the last guy she was with. All you yeah, again, you get punched by him, then she's like, This is terrible. I'm in a position to be indebted to you. Uh-huh. And now you're in. You're now, in, dude. Because to, that's that's now what not women to victim are shame. Like. Now not to victim shame <gasps> Jessica Beale. But after she has this abusive boyfriend, I'm like, girl, you gotta get your hackles up. Do not just take this man on you with you. On... That is victim shaming and blaming. Wait, right? wait, wait. I don't, Here's I don't what I'm saying. Listen, listen, listen. Okay. She takes Nicholas Cage. They drive together for she doesn't know this man at all. They drive together for hours and hours. Later on, in like a day later. An FBI agent shows videos of him to her, of him like assaulting someone in a casino. And she's like, but I just love him so much. And I'm like, what are you doing, Jessica Biel? Okay, I would say I would say your victim your victim blame shaming was all in the wrong direction of like it's not it's not fair to blame her for not getting her hackles up. That's where it's like that's super problematic. That's the thing where you're like, "Oh my god, women shouldn't be in abusive relationships. Shouldn't they learn better?" And it's like, mm, "Your brain gets rewired and starts accepting and seeking out those patterns." So, how dare you? You're canceled. Steam. But steam. But in terms of the victim blaming shaming that is appropriate, this lady has so many warning signs and so little investment in this man <laughs> that it does not make any sense for her to be continuing to hang out yes, with him. Yes. That's right? kind of what I'm trying that's, to say. Yes, yes, yes. That's what but that's what I'm saying. I'm saying I'm saying so, sometimes when you try to say one thing, you say something super in, of offensive and inappropriate up top. And that's where I have to I'm trying to help you, man. I'm you're trying not, to help my, you. You're my I head. am! I'm <laughs> trying to save you! Okay. Well, so you're not on you're really not on Jessica Beale's team either. Well, I wouldn't say that because she is a uh three semester attendee of our alma mater oh, that's right. university. Yeah, that's tough. And Go I jumbos. would say Go for beautiful women, once a jumbo, always a jumbo. For beautiful women, once uh, a jumbo, always a jumbo. And similar for Rain Wilson, who went to Tufts, did not complete because he was like, I'm out of here. And I'm like, you will always be <laughs> a jumbo one of in us. Our hearts. My God. But at least Jessica Beale, I know, I think has a somewhat fond affection for her Tufts years because in the film, film being a loose word, Valentine's Day, in which she is a main character in her office, there's a little stuffed jumbo elephant. Nice. Uh, that's a little Easter egg. So that's I'm like I do like her. I find her. I feel like she is likable. She doesn't move into the range of I'm like get this annoying chick out of here. Mm-hmm. It's just like girl, what are you yes. doing here? Yes. Um. Agree. I keep looking at my little factoid that's popping up of of that this was a commercial failure also just by the oh, way yeah. in case you couldn't tell that this was a you box love that. office flop <laughs> budget of 78 million film grossed 76 million worldwide abysmal appalling there's i guess like there's there's moments in this movie there's small things for me that i'm like this is why it is a box office failure because no one is paying attention yeah after he gets hit by the abusive boyfriend with this, as he's seen, this is the best scenario is, is let myself get punched. He's not bleeding from his lip. There's no blood. And believe me, I looked, he got punched in the mouth. She Mm -hmm. hands him a napkin and goes here. And then he takes the napkin and then just puts it on his lip. That's not bleeding. So I'm like, mother, what's this? What the hell is going on? You wouldn't just put a napkin on your lip. You would put some ice there if if it punched and got swollen. And if it was bleeding, you would put the napkin to stem the bleeding. But if he just got punched, it looks fine. And she's like, here, have this napkin. And he goes, thank you, and puts it on his lip. I suddenly am like, is no one is no one watching this? Is no one is no one In a way this? I hear you. In a way I hear you, <laughs> but I need to pose to you. You've you've just been 
punched. Okay. And the woman that you were trying to pick up hands you a napkin. What do you do with that? I'd like napkin? blow my nose. I'd be like, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> I'd be like, let me get some ice. I'd be like, I'd reach my hand into the glass of water that's on the table, pull out some ice and put it on my lip. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> I guess oh here's a, maybe he sees the oh future and he's gosh. like, you got to take it and you got to put it on your lip. That's the only way she cuts it. <laughs> okay. But then this is, again, this is again where I'm just like, so we go, we, we immediately after this, there's another perfect moment of this. I don't want to know if you caught this where I'm like, it's one of those where you go in a comedy, this works, but I'm like, I'm not sure if this is a comedy. I know sometimes in action, they want to make jokes, but sometimes when the world doesn't line up, like as much as the Avengers movies are bad, sometimes they live in the world where everyone quips. So everyone's on the same page. We're all quipping all the time. Oh, nice. At least it's <laughs> at least even if it's bad, it's consistent. In this, there's like not that much quipping. But then, then, then when the FBI, Julianne Moore and the team gets to the diner after they leave, they ask the the like the main the owner or whoever like is the manager or whatever. <laughs> and you know they're talking to him and they go as you said you know yes he was here every day for a martini at 806 a.m and 806 p.m or whatever it was and then the fbi goes do you have any cameras and the guy goes inside no and then the fbi goes what about outside and he goes no <laughs> and i'm like then why did you say inside do you have any <laughs> cameras no why do you ask inside as if to say outside. That's why you ask. Do you have any cameras inside? No, but outside I do. Do you have any cameras inside? No. Outside also no. But why do you say inside? It's it's one of those little. But it's the kind of thing of like it would fit perfectly in, and I think you should leave. Yes, sketch. it would yes. make total sense for that character to be popping off with that, yes. and for you to have a straight character that's like, what is going on here? But you're exactly right. Of in the world of this movie, who who is making quips? Why and when? Not clear. Terrible. I don't know if this is <laughs> if you notice this as well because this is this was a span of me just going. This is so unbelievable. So then they just do a quick drive from Las Vegas to, uh, I believe it's Havasupai Falls, if I'm not mistaken, um, which is uh, that the beautiful waterfall. It's in Arizona. It's about five hours from Las Vegas. This is where technically she is. I don't know, the English teacher for a, a reservation it, or I don't know what she does. Oh, my God. But she's gosh. working with kids. Oh, she's well, you know I kids. have stuff I to know say you have, about but that. But let me just, before you get to that, because yeah. I wanted to let you know, did you know this? Those falls are inaccessible by car, the where they filmed it. It's an eight-mile hike down to those <laughs> falls. So <laughs> riddle me, riddle me this. Or at least where they do the exteriors for it. I don't know if they ended up filming it here, but that's where, where it is. This is, again, I go, so Jessica Beale, so you're just like, hey, let's go on a five-hour road trip, and then I got a quick eight-mile hike down to this nice fall area. It doesn't doesn't track. It doesn't – it makes me go crazy. Well, I mean, the waterfall thing you have to let go of. I guess I have like, to let go in, of that. In, in the world of this movie, that's just next door to the reservation. Right. That's right. not an eight-mile right. hike I'll, down I'll let it go. It. But, but I, I think you're right of like – they meet at a diner where her ex inexplicably comes in trying to get her back, punches this guy, and she's like, time for me to go to Flagstaff for a shift. <laughs> and and it, and it is unclear to me. How long does it take to get to Flagstaff? You're saying five hours. That can't possibly be right. I feel like you're exaggerating and then that's making it confusing. Yeah, one second. Me. I'll look it up for you right now. Las Vegas. And what, what's our start? Las Vegas to Flagstaff. I'll just look up general Las Vegas directions mm-hmm. to Flagstaff. Driving, not walking. Yeah. It is three hours and 42 minutes with no traffic. It's 253 miles. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so that is still plenty to be upset about. Now we can also transition into more to be upset about by this context, which is that they go to the reservation for our beautiful blonde white lady to – like be adored by the native children yeah. who inexplicably care deeply about the details of her love life. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this is where we have that famous meme scene of the child saying, 
he looks at you the way my brother looks at his girlfriend. Uh-huh. Cut to Nicolas Cage looking absolutely unhinged. <laughs> <laughs> He's doing one of the scariest half smiles. It belongs in the Wicker Man. Um and his teeth are like super pronounced. We've moved into the era of new teeth for Cage, and like his his OG teeth were a little too small for his mouth. His new teeth are a little too big for his mouth. Um, but look, but it's fine. Before, you, before uh, let's put this here though, we don't need every week from here on out for you to go. I don't like his teeth. Teeth update. Teeth update. Teeth update. Because I've got. I've. I mean, this is one. Of, but this is one of the movies where you're putting Nicolas Cage up against two absolute bombshells. Jessica Biel and Julianne Moore. I don't even like Julianne Moore, but I can recognize that she is uh, like got good hottie standing. Jessica Biel, I think, is a divine angel. So that gives me full license to go ape shit on his dog shit. Well, that's what I'm saying is because he looks. This is the last time for teeth. Don't every week be like his teeth. If it comes up, I will bring it up. If it comes comes up, up, I will bring it up. Only you bring up the teeth. <laughs> if it comes up, I'll bring it up. Listen to me. He looks terrible. The other thing is, is that his hair his and hair hairline is, terrible is in unreal. His hair it's is so bad. Also, everyone's it hair. Looks, this is terrible. It looks. <laughs> it looks. No, Jessica Biel's hair is like an angel. It's so so beautiful and radiant. Perfect golden hairs, golden curls. His is a dead possum, a dirty mop <laughs> on an egg. At least this movie like crops sometimes down to his forehead. Oh my but God. my. God, it's crazy. it's crazy. And and I still am not even done with my ranting and raving because I didn't get to talk about Jessica Beale, beautiful golden angel, is a white devil on this reservation. Yeah. Talking shit about how like they're dying, you know, their culture is in jeopardy whatever, and she's like, "I guess it's just their destiny." <laughs> Which as you and I now know, the dying race myth that the U.S. and its citizens perpetrates about the indigenous people who lived on this land before us is violence. Is genocide. It's violence. Is, is a step of genocide of you you displace, kill, and destabilize the people, and then you deny that it happened, and then you also act as if they're fading out anyway, and it's not a big deal. It's not a, it's, and they're on the way out, and they're, there's they, hardly any of them left, so why do they need rights they, anyway? They treat them like the last rhinoceroses in, like, that, like, they're like, it's just what it is. Yeah, and then she's just, like, like as if she's at a elephant sanctuary, and she's yes. hanging out with, like, baby <laughs> yes, elephants or whatever. That it's, is the vibe. It's, a nightmare and that i'm like we have we have representation of native children and there's a little girl and she's talking to a woman and we're not passing the bechdel test because we are still talking about our white man nick cage that's right um and it's 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 a bananas it's bananas it also i i feel like i saw somewhere that Jessica Biel was like, we should add in like a reservation scene. Like that's what my job should be. <laughs> Don't make me turn on her. <laughs> I also so while all of this is happening, it seems that the full force of the FBI, led by Julianne Moore, is like, we have to freaking capture this magician. <laughs> and they spend what must be millions of dollars of taxpayers' money trying to catch him. And I go. It's so. It, wait, I feel like you also. Oh, you know, but my point is, I please. go. They don't even attempt to try to locate the quote unquote the bad guys here. They, they don't look for the terrorists at all. The they terrorists. are exclusively looking for Nicolas Cage to help them look for the terrorists. They're like, we can't even begin to think about the guys who have the bomb until we have this random magician that Julianne Moore found alone doing a truly lousy like magi- magic show yeah. in Vegas yeah. that is getting lukewarm applause. Yes. Like, how, do they, it's how does she so, even find him? How does she find him? How is he making enough money? What is the point of this show? Why hasn't he found something more profitable to do? And why won't he ha- help the FBI if this is all he's doing with yes. his time? Other than his premise is that he is 
traumatized from child testing Uh and now he just wants to live a normal life, Mm -hmm. which doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. Yes. Um, Because he – it's not like he then like really tries to flee and move away from the FBI. He's just telling them off for a while, being like, leave me alone. And we set up – we set up – this character is so incomprehensible and so unlikable because the setup is that he like only gambles against the house. Yeah. He doesn't gamble against other people. He clearly has a moral code mm-hmm. that he's following along. He's supposed to be our protagonist. But he's so dumb and terrible and it doesn't make sense of like why he ends up changing and coming around and and my other big beef is he ends up helping the FBI because he Jessica Beale's character will be endangered if he doesn't that's what the vision shows him yes which is still the same message of ant bully which is not learn to grow and change it's once your interests are directly impacted then you can act yes which is a nightmare a nightmare shenanigans my other thing is that he then leaves her behind and is like i gotta go help them and figure this out now and i'm like but she was – she's the only way that you have visions long enough to, like, resolve this. It's so uh, It makes sense to me. It To me, it makes more sense if you set it up as, mm. like, if we go back to the original script that she is the other mutant and they need each other for the power to be gotcha. fully unlocked. It's like – That they have to be together in order for him to see further into the future because he's envisioning a future with her longer than he envisions one is a radio one is an amplifier so it's like yes dude yes Artoon. oh my god i love that you said that but instead he abandons her he abandons her yeah well it's also they've been together for a day honestly he's doing they've been together for a day and he's like wait for me for weeks or a month and she's like fantastic there oh actually there is one point where he just like gives her ten thousand dollars, and that <laughs> helped me lock in big time for why she's staying. She's like, I've known this guy for a day, and he gave me ten k. So oh, I yeah. think actually I that this him. will be a fruitful relationship <laughs> nice. for me. He does also. He does also at some point. He's also loosely doing magic tricks throughout the movie. Um, like at some point, he's in the cabin. Oh. At some point in the cabin, he's like has like a little napkin that he turns into a paper rose, and then he's like. Hey, and he like lights it on fire, and there's a real rose, and he gives it to her. By the way, I did that trick. That's how I asked a girl to prom my junior year of high school. Got a big audience, and she said yes. I don't know if she said yes because there was a big audience, but yeah, you put her on the spot. I put her on the spot, and she not supposed to do. <laughs> said yes, and maybe um, she did tell me. She told me pretty much. I want to say like the day or two after I asked her to prom, she goes, "And by the way, it's just as friends." And I was like. Nice. Nice. Damn. Um, the other magic trick <laughs> that he does in this movie that I – now now that – I, I was like, why do I have this note that just says stone to newt? And now you reminded me that it's one of his magic tricks is mm-hmm. with the native children. He takes a stone. He's squeezing it. He's like, okay, let's squeeze it. <laughs> squeeze it really hard. He puts it into the child's hand and the child opens their hand and it's a it's like a newt, yeah. like a salamander thing. Yeah. Just doesn't make any sense because <laughs> you 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 can't squeeze a newt, it would be hurt, and the weight would totally change between a rock and a newt. Like that's like, the thing. The magic was also like the magic, real magic doesn't make sense well the magic was yeah, real the, magic yes which, exactly <laughs> of like of like he transmutes the rock to a new yes did you also catch when uh when he's beating up the boyfriend in one of his visions of the potential future where he's like dodging all the punches and he grabs his head and he shakes it down and then a bunch of quarters falls out of his ear onto the table do you remember that and i was like what the hell is he trying to like i mean look sometimes magicians learn magic tricks to impress a girl and so is he doing like he's like hey not only am i impressing you by beating up your boyfriend but you're your ex-abusive boyfriend but now there's also coins falling out of his ear if you didn't like me then do you like me now? it's just crazy because i feel like i feel like <laughs> the 
that's the thing. It's like we do want the spectacle and the fun times. But I think a premise that makes more sense is like if you obey the laws of D&D does pretty fun setups for wizards where you have minor spells like prestidigitation where you mm-hmm. can – you could make it – I think you could use that to make it appear like a, a waterfall of quarters was falling out of someone's ear. Um, and then you – you don't think so, or I just don't. I'm like, like are you going well, is this? he a wizard then? Like, I'm it, like, but that's what well, I'm saying. Yes. That's what I'm saying. If you go with that, well, and he and that you have a range of like small magic you can do for performance and stuff, and then big magic that you can do to make an impact, whatever. But there are limitations mm-hmm. at all, and that he he does the quote unquote magic show in order to pass unnoticed because he doesn't want to be nabbed by the government for testing mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's something there, but without execution, it's nothing. It's nothing. It's just a fart in the wind. It's just a fart in the wind. It's, it's, I mean, the first thing that we see him do, he's on stage and he just takes out two doves and he lets them go and he goes, here's to world peace. And... See, you say it and it sounds so much cooler than it comes across. It sounds so – if I'm in the room like pitching the movie and I'm like, Nicolas Cage, magician, he's on – he's doing a show. He releases two doves. He says, world peace. Everyone's like, (laughs) "Ah, yeah, they love it. And instead in execution, it's like he sort of like limply tosses them out. He's like, world peace. The audience is like confused clapping like Dude, it's the parts to go for the parts of the movie that work, which isn't much. In fact, nearly nothing at all is there's a scene where he is evading the security in the casino. Mm. And because this is important because it's humans chasing him. He's able to do these cool things. It feels very like Groundhog Day or like any of those movies where you've lived that same day so many times that you know exactly where everyone's going to go. And those are always fun. Even though we've seen something like that, it is fun to watch someone confident be be like, and I duck here, and then I grab this hat, and I walk like, you know, 10 paces there. And hearing the guy over the, like, the comms to the security being like, turn to your left. No, you're right. And him just like dodging. That was cool. You know what's not cool? When he's just like, Kind of like almost like dancing down a hill as like truck pieces are like flying, like CGI oh, truck pieces oh, are flying you mean, past. Him. You mean when a enormous CGI train starts rolling down a hill after him? And he's just like that was outrageous. And he's just kind of hopping around, being like, and I step here, he's and hopping. I step there, and I go, this is not good. This is not good. And then it's you were mentioning the bullet before. There's so many different ways he's dodges bullets. In one of them, he's doing it as you said in real time, and it's the CGI here. Like what they did was kind of cool, where it's like a bunch of different Nicolas Cage's like dodging the bullets, like who gets hit or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I go like again, it's not consistent. We haven't seen anything even close to this. In other mm-hmm. instances, mm-hmm. he just like moves back a little bit and like the bullet misses him, mm-hmm. which honestly was mm-hmm. probably the coolest one because he was just like, oh, that's where I get shot, moves back. Mm-hmm. Then this happens. He gets shot at some point or at least believes to be shot because he's trying to draw out the sniper. And he goes down and it looks like he gets shot. And then uh, then they catch the sniper. The FBI gun him down. And they're like, damn, we couldn't take him alive. And Julian Moore Julian gets Moore. him headshot. Yeah. He's like, he's like eight <laughs> inches from the door handle, yeah. and the door's just cracked. And then she takes the shot, and it's a, yeah. it's a headshot yeah, yeah, yeah. falls through. And then, but then, then Nicholas Cage goes. Uh, they're like, how do you not get shot? And he goes, sleight of hand. And I go, no, that was not sleight of hand. Sleight of hand is when you use your hands to, <laughs> to hide something. You didn't do that at all. You just pretend you got shot. He did an illusion. Okay, at but best. if he said if he said if he said slight of mind, would that have read? <laughs> I look. I'm not saying I'm in the writers' room. I don't have the pitch right now. Like, but I think he could have just said. That's. I think he just says, "Don't believe everything you see." You know, bam. Well, now that now there okay. we have something. <laughs> don't. I. I mean. Hey, don't that's, believe everything. That's going. Hey, don't that's, believe everything you see. Yeah, put it on the whiteboard, and we'll keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put a star My next to it other- on the whiteboard. <laughs> <laughs> 
my other rewrite pitch was that he has what I think is actually a great joke that he sort of butchers um, that I think should be re-delivered as uh, what's a Zen hot dog? It's one with everything. Mm. Cause you don't like him saying a Buddhist monk. Yeah, he does the whole. I mean, the whole joke is like long, and I'm like, you Don't, just need that. Yeah. You need two sentences. Get to it. This is the thing. This is the difference between you and me and comedy. You're like comedy is about milking the moment, getting as much attention as I can for as long as possible, and then if I'm lucky, I get to deliver a banger ending. Uh, Steve, and I'm like, I was comedy more, Steve, is about small explosions Steve, in and Steve, out, deliver a laugh, Steve, and Steve, get on your way, like, get back to home, and get to bed. Let the listeners know what the original joke was before you gave no. your old joke. I thought about that, and I thought, they don't need to hear the bad version. They should just hear the good one and be like, that's a good joke. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm saving you time and money because time is money. Um, I would say – I would say also, the other things, though, that were really cool – and I honestly – the CGI train was, like, so bad, so but bad. I was like, keep this in there. Keep this in. This is know. worth seeing. <laughs> I was like, I was like, this is interesting. Uh-huh. This is something. Um. But something that I actually really loved was when he's trying to convince Jessica Biel that he has these powers, he starts clicking through the TV yeah, you love and that. he'll predict exactly what they're going to say. And then he changes the channel and they say, they say it. And I was like, that's cool. That's cool. That's obviously cool. It's, those cool are the stuff, good ways of showing cool the moments because that are just, those, those are the ways that go back to how we are seeing it where I'm like, he just can see in fluid time the future as opposed to having the Raven Simone visions from time to time um, where he's just like, I just know what it is. He's not like while he's doing that, like tilting his head back or like, you know, going like ooga booga booga. Like he's just like, I know what the future is for two minutes. And there is – I mean, I mean, not I, we don't need to get into this. But he does say like – Every time you look, the future changes, which also then doesn't make sense for those quick, quick rattling off succession. But it does – it still works for the channels because, like, his action reflecting that would not have an impact on what those people and stuff were doing. It's – it's – well, here's – I go – he can never – he should never be surprised then in this movie. And yet, there's a couple times where he is. Like – when she gets blown up, so so to kind of catch everyone up in case you're wondering what's going on. So after Jessica Biel and Nicolas Cage leave and they go to the reservation, then they go to like a lodge for a little bit. And they're just like, let's chill here. They bang. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then when Jessica Biel goes to the store, you know, uh, Julian Moore's like, he's a killer. And then Jessica Biel's like, I believe him, not you. And she's like, let's stick together. He writes down some instructions for her. He runs away. A train explodes. There, Everyone's running. Lots of gunfire. She gets captured by the Russian-French faction. And then they, like, for some reason, again, let's just remember what the plan for the terrorists here are, which we can get into. They're like, we got a nuke. But let's follow this magician and, hell, let's kill his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. This, it's It's so far. It's totally so far from what I imagine their plans are. It's crazy. But anyways. It's also confusing. And I think, I think what I was doing, like in the original thing, it's the, it's the government entity is the one that, that kidnaps her and is trying to force it out of him. But I also was in the movie. Even I was like, who's doing this? Yeah. Who's, because that's the other thing. You're like, how many people are at the disposal of the terrorists? What is their Countless. mission? And every timeline? every mission they do, yeah. pretty much everyone dies, and so they're like, send in the B team, <laughs> send in more, and go get that random woman. Go get that and random woman. Like, but so he eventually Julianne Moore somewhat captures uh, Nicholas Cage or Chris Angel or whatever his name is, Chris Johnson, um, Frankenstein, Frank Cadillac. Cadillac. Um, because basically he has to save her life or else she just dies and then they capture him and he sees it. So he kind of lets himself get captured, but then he sees it to the, not compelling. compelling. He's like, I don't care if every, all these other strangers die, but if there's one hot woman that I know who would die, then I'll help you out. I'll help you out. Um, he saved Julianne Moore and then he, they kind of put him in like a clockwork orange style machine where his eyes are open. And, Mm. 
he sees deep into the future again and he goes, oh my God, they're going to kill Jessica Biel. They're going to explode her on a rooftop with a bunch of bombs. Again, why they go to a, what, what are they doing? Why are they going to the rooftop? That's so many layers to climb on the parking garage. Is it for it's a crazy. show? It's also, you could get yeah. sniped from there. What's the point? What's the point it's of crazy. going to the rooftop to do this? Anyways. Then he goes, I can't, every future I see, she gets, she dies. And then Julianne Moore goes, have you checked the license plate? And then he like goes into, then that's when he does like his eyes are kind of like rolling back and he's like, uh, yes, the license plate. And I'm tell, I'm like, buddy, if you can see the future, can't you see Julianne Moore saying, what's the license plate? And already just have that info at the ready. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, it doesn't track. But that's, but, that's, but the <laughs> thing is, is that the way this movie shakes out is that it's all a vision. Yes. And so at some point. It was point, a vision the whole time. The, <laughs> when you get back to the, like, like step zero, he has to have the vision. She has to ask him at least once. The original time, oh, let's call it. And so let's say that that's what we're seeing. Okay, fair. We see the original time. And that, and that yes, you're right, in, in quote-unquote real time, I mean, hopefully he would just say the license plate on emergency would be like, I don't want to get to the point where it's yeah. like, of course I should have looked at the license plate yeah. number when I was having yeah. my vision, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, I'm with yeah, you. Yeah. I'm with you. Is, um, oh, are, do you have more? Oh, what was, I was gonna I'm trying s- to push you towards final thoughts, which of which I have one. Yes. But. I wanted to say, do you think... Julianne Moore, or not, uh, not Julianne Moore, um, Jessica Biel and Nicolas Cage have chemistry in this. I think Jessica Biel is radiant and charismatic and, um, I don't really love this phrase, but easy to fall in love with. Mm. And so she sells it. I think the movie does a good job of not showing Nicholas Cage too much because when they do in the he looks at her the way my brother looks at his girlfriend uh-huh. it's so starkly horrifying <laughs> um what do you think about their sex scene scene you kind of do black that out like I, I feel like I blacked <laughs> you black that out I feel like I absolutely blacked it out um, I, I'm assuming your answer is no, they do not have chemistry unless you're like, yes, you my know. answer was, I don't think they have bad chemistry, but it, both of them, and this will get into kind of our final thoughts. Everyone, including Jessica Biel in this felt exhausted. <laughs> like, yeah. So I go, they felt more like they'd actually been dating for quite a while and they yeah. were just like, whew, here we are like another day, another week. That was yeah, the energy of yeah. everyone in this movie, at least for me. And so yeah. when I go to the chemistry, I go, in fact, they seem like they've been together for a long time. Exhausted. Yeah, like they were at the end of a couple's road trip. <laughs> yes. Yes. As opposed to, like, it's supposed to be like this fresh, feral new Sparks romance. flying. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like when okay, he looks at her, when, oh. when he looks at Deborah in Valley Girl. That's sparks flying. Oh. That's sparks flying. And I'll tell you what, that was not how he was looking at Jessica Biel. <laughs> I'm short-circuiting because I feel like you could make an excuse for it. You could be like... He's lived a thousand lives character- with her. <laughs> oh, sorry. No, go. I was going to say that this character has a perpetually glazed over look because he's always looking <laughs> into the future a couple of seconds. So he's not able to connect with the present in the way to have that spark in his eyes. Yeah. And in that moment. But I also, I mean, I also just think it's a, this is where, this is where I'm like, toss, toss a stone in my, is Nicolas Cage forgetting how to love and respect women pot mm. versus my Valley Girl days? I'm like, he is like entranced and obsessed and really like taking the time to uh, shine light on this scene partner mm-hmm. in a way mm-hmm. versus like if he's moving more into a a self-contained vessel. But I also don't know. This is this is this is such a a goofy movie to try to overanalyze yes. like those artistic choices yes. is, is a fool's errand. Yes. Are you ready for my final thought? Or yes, do you have I'm something ready. more to say? I'm ready. Wikipedia has a little section <laughs> where it talks about, it, it's titled Thematic Analysis for the 2007 film Next. 
describes how the technique the protagonist uses to see into the future has been compared to the video game concept of save scumming. We see something like this in Rick and Morty, the Mm. Vat of Acid episode, season four, episode eight, where Morty engages in a save point time loop. Uh And save scumming is a specific term that is used to describe when losing a game becomes impossible because when you're about to lose, you save, you save your game and you quit and you turn back time mm-hmm. and you restart from that point so that you disregard the outcome and get an indefinite winning streak. And scum, that word is comes from a layer of like dirt or grime forming on a liquid surface mm. and then scumming in a derogatory video game way, you actually also have that as a verb for collecting easy rewards in unchallenging areas. Wow. So like a high-level character returning to a low-level area yeah. in order to like farm and gather that oh, stuff. Yeah. So I, I, I love these concepts coming together to sort of help inform why this movie is so... Um, disappointing or unfulfilling Uh is that you have a very powerful character who's just sort of like continually wiping the dirt away from a liquid ever changing ever moving future Uh but what he's doing is not very impressive Mm. like when when you can't lose what does it matter yes an excellent point steen an excellent point. Oh, I feel like for once I like rounded out a monologue. You rounded out a monologue that makes sense because it's <laughs> – you're – what basically also you're saying is like what this movie needs is like you basically need to make him have the choice. At the end of the movie is he has two minutes and there's only two futures. He sees it and he has to make a choice between those two. That way, at the very least, it is like it it battles that like he's like, even when you see the future and even when you can, you know, choose it, you know, he's like, the choice is what will kill us like or like something like that. Oh. Yeah, I feel like there's there's one scenario where you do like you, like you get down to to two possible futures and one is save all the people versus save your one interest yeah. and you can I think I'm like I'm like show us show us people who just choose to save one over the many. I think that that's a place we have room to explore, but also like having there be a true choice. Yes. Um I feel like the other direction you can take it in is the direction that is explored in Rick and Morty of like, if you want to keep your love, you have to give up the power. You have to yeah. stop doing yes. the same yes, exactly. function because it will impact how you get to live an authentic life with her. Yes. I something. also but think- they, They're like, whatever, blah blah <laughs> Yes. I also think we need to figure out what the hell is going on if we're doing this movie with what the terrorists are up to. What are their goals? Yeah. Who are they? Oh, yeah. It's so crazy that they already have their nuke and they're like, and get us the magician. <laughs> it just starts to feel, it feels like it's like like the rewrite system. Again, I don't know. So maybe we just move along and stop wasting time with hypotheses. But of like, that we had one thing that somebody was like, yes, this is a cool concept. Brick by brick, we will swap in and out. Yes. Like what we need to change. We want to keep certain bricks because yes, they were cool yes. and made sense in the original house. But like what we have later on is a completely unstable It's a wall foundation. of sham. It yeah. Make any sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolute sham. Shambles. Well, shambles. let's close it out then, Steve. Let's close it out. Let's move on to our ratings. So we'll rate this movie out of five stars for the overall movie. And we will rate Nicolas Cage out of ten cages with five points for his creative, what he brought to the role, and five points for his technical, what he actually delivered on screen for the role. Artun, tell me what you thought. I think this is maybe a one and a half star movie. Wow. Um, It could be a two. Uh, but it's just not that good. It, it's there's some action. There's some good things. I mean, the the, the Groundhog Day stuff's pretty good. I'll give it a two, actually, two two out of five. Um, but overall, Nicolas Cage, I don't really think he's doing anything here. 
I heard that he was the one who was like, let's make the character a magician as well. And I did appreciate that. So I'm like, what did he bring to it? He made it, he added a level that I don't think detracted from the movie. If anything, it made it slightly more interesting. So I think that gives it like a four. I think that's a four total. I'm going to give him uh, one point for the technical for delivering an absolutely cut body, uh, I will say. And then <laughs> I will give him one for the creative for what you're mentioning about his bringing the magician mm-hmm. element. Because I'm like, okay, yeah, creative, tossing a magician in there. That's a total of two points for Gage. Brutal. <laughs> I will say for the film – I'm actually settling in on not only two and a half stars, but I would rewatch this movie. Chatting about it and talking with you, I've had so much fun. I'm like still thinking about things. I'm like, it feels like there's things to go back and re-examine and explore some more. Oh my God. um, I actually think it was like a decently fun time and and a better, one of those so bad it's, starts turning the corner again movie wow folks ignore what christina said up top watch this movie watch it with her come over for a fun night fun thursday night with some popcorn no that is not (laughs) what i'm saying this would be this would be a me alone nobody to judge what she's doing why she's watching horrible bosses too alone wow you know what i mean i know so if you liked what you heard because now you've heard <laughs> how we feel about the movie. We'd love to hear from you. you can find she, she saw, Christina just saw it to the future. Christina <laughs> just saw it to the future. <laughs> stop, 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 stop. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Cajal Question. Send any emails to CajalQuestionPod at gmail.com. Subscribe to the podcast and leave us a five-star review for our next episode. Get hyped. Because we're watching the 2007 film a National Treasure sequel, Book of Secrets. (laughs) I'm betting it's available on Disney+. Plus. We hope you'll watch with us and listen in. Signing off, this is Christina. And our two Nazareth. And we're asking you the cage-off question. I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence. I'm a vampire! I'm a vampire! I'm a vampire! I'd like to take his, his face... Oh. Oh, not on the beat. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M. I was a little drunk. Plus, I was horny.